I'm Tommy Stinson. This is Brian Bell from Weezer and The Relationship. This is Guard. We're Muncie Gals. This is Cindy Wilson. This is Tony. And this is Miles. From Fastball. We're the, the Regrets. regrets. <laughs> and you're listening to Cigar City Radio. 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 Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. No Clubs has a ton of kick-ass shows coming at you to close out the summer and going into the fall. Just a few here. Friday, August 10th, American Football at the Orpheum. Tuesday, August 14th, The Sword at the Orpheum. Thursday, September 27th, is Colony House and Tall Heights also at the Orpheum. And that same night, two-show night, so at the Orpheum, you got Colony House, and then also Thursday, September 27th, at the Ritz, uh, Matt Kearney's here on his Crazy Talk tour. A couple nights later, Saturday, September 29th, Skizzy Mars is coming to the Orpheum. Uh, Wednesday, October 3rd, Trivium is coming to the Ritz. That'll be a kick-ass metal show. Wednesday, October 10th, Milky Chance is coming to the Ritz. And a show I'm personally very excited for. Wednesday, November 21st, VNV Nation is coming to Janus Live, a band I haven't seen in years. And the last time I saw them was also at Janus Live, so that'll be really cool. Tampa's going to get turned Friday, November 30th with Little Xan at the Ritz Ebor. So uh, get your tickets for all those shows and more at statemedia.com. <laughs> Welcome to a double-stuffed, hour-long episode 79 of Cigar City Radio. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen, a man who loves a good double-stuffing, Mr. Jason Solanas. So what makes this double-stuff? It's an hour-long. It's a whole big thing. (sighs) We talked and talked and talked and talked. Who are you to question double-stuffing, Jason? I never question double-stuffing. I I like my turkey double-stuffed. I like my body double stuffed, and I like my doubles double stuffed. And your Oreos. No, I don't. I actually like my Oreos single stuffed. Get the f*** out of here. you and your double stuffed Oreos. Oh, my God. Our guest on this episode is probably somebody you haven't heard before, but somebody that I'm very proud to know. Our guest on this episode is Adam Shoemaker, who is somebody that I met about a decade ago at the time he was recording a record with George Harris at Panda Productions, is what the studio was called then. And for various reasons that Adam will explain in the podcast, the record never got released. However, next week 
August the 6th, Monday, August the 6th, the record will finally be released through our label services. Um, and Adam is throwing a big listening party at Coconuts Comedy Club on St. Pete Beach. There's going to be a live performance with uh, Adam on guitar and vocals, George Harris on lead guitar, Kirk Adams on bass, and Ted Uruso on drums. Uh, they're going to play a couple songs from the record and a couple new songs that Adam's writing for the next record that he's putting out. So once you listen to this episode, you'll understand how amazing it is to even say that Adam is having a next record released. And we're so excited uh, that we could be a part of releasing this one and that Adam could come on the podcast and share his story so candidly. He's such a great person, and I'm glad to have had the chance to sit down with him for an hour and chat. You know, it felt like no time had passed. He's a he's a cool dude. So shout out to Adam for doing this one with us and shout out to George Harris for barging in and interrupting everything and forcing himself on the podcast. If you like this episode, check out Adam's record, which comes out uh, Monday, August 6th. It's just called Adam Shoemaker. Should be easy to find. Just search Adam Shoemaker. It'll be on all of the digital platforms after a decade of being on the shelf. You can listen to it. We also play a little bit from his record uh, at the very end of the podcast, the track You Let Me Down. So stay tuned to the end for that one. Also, if you were wondering what that kick-ass New Orleans song was to lead in our episode, that was New Orleans by Soup Bone, which is another record that we released through our label services. So check that out and more. Here it is, episode 79. This was when I was I worked at Disney for a little while. Uh-huh. I worked at the Haunted Mansion, right? And um, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm outside the attraction or whatever, helping people. And then from afar, I see what to me is clearly Noel Gallagher. And I like I, I even turned to the like a random person next to me, and I was like, "Is that is that Noel Gallagher?" And they're like, "Who's Noel Gallagher?" You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, whatever. But then as he started walking up, I was like, "Oh no, this is." very clearly this is noel gallagher for sure and he was with his oh. family like his wife and his kids and grandparents not liam wasn't there yeah but you know the rest of the family looked like it was there and uh they came walking up and they when you're a celebrity at disney they bring you in through the back mm. you know so you go in through the exit and you you know you ride the ride that way so you don't you know make cause a disturbance or right. whatever so they're going to bring him through the back and i just like sprinted back there and I, I i went up to the girl that was working the station there at the exit i was like yo we're switching spots right now because i'm getting noel gallagher onto this ride and i was like noel gallagher's coming up right now i gotta get him on the ride you know so he came up and i remember it was funny because um <clears throat> his kid said something like oh I, you know i i want to i want to get some some fucking shit to eat or something like that and the and the his wife's like smacked the kid on the back of the head and i said and said i told you not to fucking cast while we're here <laughs> i was like that's that's great but they yeah loaded him and his family on the ride and Dude. i was like yeah, that was 
the closest I'll ever get to Noah Gallagher. Oh yeah, yeah, you can touch me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that I meant <laughs> that's amazing. That was amazing. What well, you know what what sucks though is uh, a couple months later I was working there and you know I went to the Mouseketeria mm-hmm. for for my break and I come back and somebody tells me, "Oh, you know who you just missed? Paul McCartney." What? Yes. Dude. Yeah. He came like he had a show that night in Tampa, I uh-huh. think, and he like went to, went to Disney and then did like Haunted Mansion, It's a Small World, like Pirates of the Caribbean, and then peaced out. Oh, dude, that's <laughs> like, fucked up, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyways. Dude, that's amazing, an- man. Enough about uh, random s- Disney celebrity sightings, because that's something I can talk about all day. Nice. But uh, yeah, so it is a beautiful Monday night in Largo, Florida right now. <laughs> We're in Largo, of all places, at the Creative World Recording Studio owned by world-famous producer, engineer, songwriter, guitar player, George Harris. George fucking Harris. Yeah, right. not George Harris' son. Right. Yeah. Let's be clear. <laughs> George Harris, um, a man who doesn't remember the year 1992. And mm-hmm. uh, But right now we're sitting with uh, somebody that I met a long time ago through George Harris, mm-hmm. Mr. Adam Shoemaker. So, thank you for having me. No, first off, thank <laughs> you for being here, and thank you for like, still being here. You know, like, I, that, it's... Good that you're here, like yes. for a lot of reasons that you know we can get into if you want. You know, sure. it's up to you. Absolutely. But uh, first, let's let's go back to the beginning. So I, I want to know a little bit about the history of Adam Shoemaker. Okay, because you've you've lived you've lived some lives, my friend. At least one. You've, you're, yeah. At least one that you're living now. Yeah, I've had a uh, an interesting life. I've been uh, very lucky. Yeah. Well, I, maybe kind of unlucky in some ways, but in the in the grand scheme of things, it's all uh, you know happens as it is supposed to happen or you know yeah. it is and uh, uh yeah so um were you were you always from this area yes i was uh born in st pete raised in treasure island uh, actually half raised uh half uh, here and half up in neptune beach in jacksonville okay so i kind of tell people i have two hometowns jacksonville you know, and and st pete area yeah. so yeah go back and forth i kind of live more in jacksonville now at the moment but uh, yeah so back and forth and what was what was growing up like? Because I know you were just telling us about your dad was like on tour with a band in the UK and, oh, yeah. and all this stuff. So like, what was what's what was the life like? Well, that was uh, all the touring stuff was uh, pre Adam. Oh, okay. say, Before right. I was born, but uh, by the time I was born, my dad was on the management side of bands. Mm-hmm. But um, right at, shortly after I was born, he got into the comedy business just by an uh, in a mistake. Actually, he was <laughs> okay. a, he was a lawyer. And uh, got his law degree at Stetson, passed the bar first try, and was going to be all doing the law and stuff. And uh, he quit to manage his friend's band. And then after that, he quit. A man after my own heart. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he uh, was practicing law, managing my friend's band. And a comedian called him, this was in the early 80s, and uh, said, Hey, man, I've been booking this comedy club in Tierra Verde. And, uh, I just lost our room. Can you help me out? I know you're good at booking bands. Do you think you may book comedy? And so my dad said, no, I've never booked it before, but I'll give it a try. And so he uh, found a room somewhere uh, over uh, in Clearwater, this old Mexican restaurant that had a banquet room, and put on a comedy show for his friend. And it went so well that it ended up morphing into coconuts. And uh, he's been doing that ever since. Wow. And it uh, just kind of happened. So he just fell into comedy. Just fell into it and... Uh, it's on St. Pete Beach now. It's been there since 1986. It's the longest continuously running comedy club in Florida. And um, 
Yeah, it's still there. And then I got to grow up uh, around lots of creative people. Yeah, like musicians who, who, and comedians. Right, and, that's that's awesome. Who were some of the comedians that were going through there? Um, was well, it a couple people? Uh, Jim Brewer. Yeah, got to start with the comedy club. My dad used to pay him twenty five bucks a night to MC in nineteen eighty six. Oh, you should hold him to that now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, John Stewart played uh one of the clubs early on. Right on. And I used to have clubs. This is back in the late eighties when comedy was really happening, stand up comedy. Yeah. And at that time my dad had about twenty, twenty five uh comedy clubs from Florida all the way up the eastern seaboard. And he was booking all these? Yep. Man. Your dad's a badass. Yeah, man. And then uh yeah, and it's been a pretty cool, man. Had a lot of good times, a lot of you know, fun comedians. My favorite comedian of all time is mitch hedberg yeah i was gonna ask you because you yeah. you actually got me into mitch hedberg i did yeah yeah oh, wow yeah okay. like 10 so so we met so background for about the podcast listeners. we met about 2010 yeah so around there um 11 maybe yeah maybe the even cruise. earlier than that okay. i think actually but uh we were recording a record with george panda mm -hmm. and uh you were also recording a record and also kind of hanging out there and we're gonna yep. get to that record soon um and that yeah that's where we met i remember we uh, i think we initially bonded over like Mitch Hedberg, like I, I, I had seen some of his comedy, but I wasn't like really into him yet. And then you told me some Mitch stories, I guess, because you, you got to actually yep. meet him and to hang out with him yeah. a couple times. He uh, played at my dad's club on St. B Beach around 1999 and 2000. He played there about a handful of times. Yeah. And that was right kind of when he was just blowing up. And uh, my, he was kind of like a bit above my dad's pay grade, but he didn't care. He just liked to come down there and hang out for a week on the beach. It was kind of like a paid vacation for him. Yeah. Like, I remember he did his stand-up special um, on Comedy Central in January of 2000, and in September of 2000, he still came and played my dad's little, you know, 150-seat club. Wow. Did that, I bet that sold out. Oh, it was, sure. yeah, it sold out. It was yeah. amazing. And that was actually the last time I saw him. That's when I uh, hung out with him. Um, at the time, my band, The Dogs, I played guitar, and we'd just done a record over in Italy. Mm -hmm. And... We just gotten it mastered, and I had the CD in my car, and that was one of the last times I hung out with Mitch. Me, him, and his girlfriend, and another comedian were hanging out in my car, and I was playing him my record. It was kind of more of like a hard rock metal record, and I just remember I was in the front seat. Mitch was in the back, and he was like swaying back and forth, and he had his sunglasses on and the smile on his face. And after the couple songs of the record, I stopped. I was like, what do you think, man? And he's like, man, this is really good music for older people. <laughs> That <laughs> <laughs> <It> was awesome. <laughs> it's that's a, such an amazing. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I, know. I know. <laughs> like, and the great thing was, is he was such a nice guy, and he was exactly like he is on stage, off stage, like the really? same, talk the same, you know. Yeah, that's same that, guy. That cadence. And oh that, yeah. yeah, he was really cool, man. He invited me actually up to his room after done hanging out. He's like, man, we got a bunch of. You know, we're going to go up and drop some acid, man, and do some other stuff. And I was like, at the time, I was just kind of high school. I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I'm going to go home. <laughs> and I look back on it. You know, I'm like, God. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So you you could have had you, that. That would have been the story. Yeah. Dropping I know, right? acid with Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> like, damn. I'm, uh, but yeah, he, I mean, he lived, he lived a pretty fast life from what, from what yeah, people man. said. You know, but, uh, you know, my dad hung out with him a bit more than I did. He actually uh, first met him in 1998. Um, Mitch came and played uh, my dad's comedy club in the Cayman Islands mm -hmm. when he had one down there. That was the summer of 1998. And my dad went down there, spent a week hanging out with Mitch there. And about midway through the week, they were doing a show at the club. It was near the end of the show. It was sold out. And my dad was standing by the front door, and this little blonde English dude 
and his wife came walking up and said, hey, is the show still, you know, still going? My dad's like, yeah, it's almost over, but if you want, there's a seat at the bar. You guys just come in for free and hang out. And So the show gets over, and Mitch comes up to my dad, and he goes, you know that guy is, Bob? And my dad's like, no. He goes, that's Martin Gore. And my dad's like, who? And he's like, Martin Gore from Depeche Mode. You know? Right on. And so for the rest of the week that my dad and Mitch and the Cayman Islands, they hung out with Martin Gore at the little comedy condo where my dad was staying with Mitch. And about in November of that year, Depeche Mode came and played at the Ice Palace, and Martin called up. I remember I'd just gotten home from high school that day, and the phone rang at the office of my dad's house, and it was Martin Gore. He's like, hey, do you guys still, Bob, do you guys still want to come see us at the Ice Palace? So he hooked us up with backstage and all that stuff just because of Mitch. You know, yeah, wow. Meeting him at the Who would have thought the connection between Mitch Hedberg and Depeche Mode? I know, right? all things. <laughs> like, that's incredible. That's super cool. So then, all you know, and obviously, you know, the comedy is one thing, but... The, but you're also, you know, lived in a musical family, too. Mm-hmm. So when did you start playing music? Uh, yeah. Probably about when I was about three years old, three, four years old. I started on drums first. That was my main thing. Started mm-hmm. on pots and pans in the kitchen. Like, you know, oh, that's like how most drummers start. Yeah, yeah. And um, pretty much, man, when I was about four years old, my first favorite band was The Firm. You know, Jimmy Page's first yeah. band after yeah, Zeppelin yeah. with Paul Rogers. And I used to watch them, their videos on MTV, and they had a video for the song Radioactive. And their drummer, Chris Slade, who later played in ACDC for a while, he was like my hero. When I was a kid, I just wanted to be like him. So I started playing drums and just would be put on like concerts by myself for nobody in the den of my dad's house. I had my little play school drum set. I had a play school guitar, plastic guitar. And uh, yeah, just put on concerts for nobody, make up tickets and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> basically it'd be me miming along to music videos of the firm that I'd recorded on MTV and I just play those and pretend like I was in the band. Yeah. And uh my mom actually at some point it told me around that time, you know, Jimmy Page was in another band before the firm. I'm like, Oh really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and she put on her copy of uh Led Zeppelin too and then I was like, Okay. Holy shit, what's this? This is awesome. <laughs> that you gotta be the only person in the world that got into the firm before Led <laughs> Zeppelin. Right? Like what what is that? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, man. That's it, crazy. It was The Firm and then uh, Tom Petty and The Heartbreakers. That was like my, every time I'd go to Jacksonville, like I said, I spent half my time in Jacksonville, my grandma's house up there, granny, call her, and driving up there, we'd always listen to Tom Petty and The Heartbreakers. That's like some of my earliest music memories are The Firm on MTV and then being in the car, hearing all the old, old early Heartbreaker stuff. So That's really cool. That kind of got me like started on it. And then for a while, I don't know, when I was about five to about 11 years old, all I wanted to do, I got really into movies. I wanted to be a director, screenwriter. I made a bunch of home movies, like horror films and stuff like that. And then uh, via horror films, got into serial killers when I was about 11. Of course. <laughs> of course. Like any you good know. old 11-year-old yeah, yeah. boy, right? get into serial killers. For some killers. reason, I was obsessed with Charles Manson and the whole Manson family story. And I got the Helter Skelter book and read that over and over again when I was 11. And my mom, again, stepped in and said... Uh, you know, uh, I have the album that that song's from. I'm like, oh, okay. And she played me the White Album, and then it was all over, and it's been music ever since. Yeah, that, that'll do it. That was it. It was like the White Album's still my favorite album of all time by anybody. So it was really your mom that, yeah, that made this happen. Pretty much. She she encouraged she you. She kind of like pointed me in yeah, the little, point, yeah, yeah, like, you hey, know, hey, there's hey, a little something yeah. else here. You know? Right. <laughs> there's there's something else besides the firm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. And uh, so when did you start actually, like, playing in bands and, and, and making um, music happen? First uh, band I was in was a cover band. I was, uh, this would be about, this was May of 1995, my eighth grade year in uh, middle school. 
and we put together a little band for the talent show. I was still just playing drums Dude, at this point. This is giving me goosebumps because that's literally how my first band started. Nice. Like, no joke. For eighth grade talent show. Nice. That's hilarious. So, tell no, no. So, continue. Yeah, so, you played drums. What did you, pl- what did you play at the talent we show? We did uh, three songs. It was, uh, it was me, guitar player, and a keyboard player. Actually, the guitar player was uh, my friend Nate Najar. Yeah. And, uh, we, and he's a guitar player, and everybody of mine, Dave, played keyboards. I was drums, and we did Purple Haze, Knock on Heaven's Door, and Satisfaction. That's badass, man. For eighth graders, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so weird. It's like it's like the replacement song, talent show. Like, I guess that's how everybody yeah. started was like yeah. <laughs> doing a talent show. And I think I picked like uh, Purple Haze and Satisfaction. I insisted on because that was like yeah, it was summer '95, and I just, just a year before I just gotten into Jimi Hendrix, especially the first two Experience records. Yeah, and the Who. Oh, like Keith Moon at that time was my idol. I had like a little double drum set and everything and i like you know thought i was keith moon for a couple of years and all that kind of good fun stuff yeah what was the original band called that talent show band? Uh, did you have a name yes it did it was called disraeli gears nice. named after the cream record yeah, <laughs> yeah all right it's funny hearing that in the school intercom we played two gigs the talent show and then the end of the eighth grade year school dance and it was funny hearing the principal on there and the name of the band playing at the dance will be Disraeli Gears. <laughs> that's great that they let you play the dance. Though. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. But all like the, most of the kids, like eighth graders and all the seventh graders, sixth graders, like what's Disraeli? No, they Gears? probably didn't know. <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't. But I mean, yeah. they, you were you know you were ahead of your time, man. Yeah. Later, those kids got to college and like started smoking weed, and then we're like, oh, yeah, right. now I see what he, this kid was talking about with Purple <laughs> Haze. Like I get it now, you know, you know. I get the Jimi Hendrix thing or whatever. You know, that's yeah. I felt the same way when when I started our band or i guess i didn't start when we did our talent show band in eighth grade it was called first off it was called car full of midgets nice which you know that that name would not fly nice. today i don't think <laughs> i don't think it's pc enough yeah for this day and age so we would have been car full of little people i guess or yeah you know i should probably edit that out jason <laughs> 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 i don't want to i don't want to yeah. anger the little community this be the b, the b sides of the podcast yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll just bleep out midgets yeah. every time you say it yeah yeah <laughs> okay so yeah so the band was called car full of and we did one song at the talent show and it was acdc's back in black nice yeah and i did the whole thing you know and nice. like really didn't know how to do it and like wow. fucked up my throat trying to good word trying to hit those notes you know that's awesome <laughs> but i guess i guess we did it and you know then from there like as we got a little bit older um we kept playing more and more shows and playing covers and um then started writing original music um but like once we started writing original music i guess we were less cute you know than mm-hmm. we were because at the time we were like oh you know our parents would like bring their friends out oh, yeah. and be like oh Same yeah look, me. look like our kids are playing you know van halen songs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then we started writing these nasty punk songs you know and that it was a lot less cute you know that was like the same. <laughs> i did the same thing after my talent show band we only lasted those couple of gigs and then my senior year in high school i got another band together i played drums with we had a guitar player same keyboard player from the talent show band and a bass player this time we're called fate and fury all right. Very awesome. And we played pretty much all covers, but we did more like, you know, like The Who and pretty much a lot of classic rock stuff. Yeah. And so it was the same thing. We play on off nights, on uh, Monday nights at my dad's comedy club on the beach because they didn't do shows Monday nights. So we play like probably once every two months. And same thing. We get a huge crowd, but it was all like 70% our parents' friends. 
yeah. bring their friends like, oh, you got to see our kid. It's so cute. They're playing like our music. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, though. You know, and that and that should be like it's cool that that can be like a musical history now. Like it's, you know, we, we, now that we're generations from like the creation of rock. You yeah. Know, like that's a lot of people's stepping stones. And as it should be. I know. know? Yeah, you too, should man. you should get into the who and the stones and stuff before mm. you get into like, you know. Radiohead or yeah, something, no, you know, like it should. You should follow that progression and see how rock kind of evolved. But it's just like how I started early, man. Pretty much from my parents' vinyl collection. Yeah, you know, and like I said, from my mom turning me onto stuff here and there. You know, yeah, at least pointing me in that direction. You know, of uh, checking stuff out. I think the Who was the first band I found on my own through yeah. my parents' rare collection. They had their album Happy Jack. It was a U.S. version yeah. of one of their the English one was called a quick one, and Happy Jack was the you know, the U.S. version. They kind of used to change the yeah, track yeah. list a little bit. Yeah. And I remember just seeing the cover of that and I was like, man, who the hell is this? And I put it on and the second song was Boris the Spider and I'd never heard anything like that in my life. I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. So that'll do it. Yeah, man. And uh, I remember one time actually in a band Fate and Fury having said all the all the parents liked uh, the songs we played. They are like, oh, these are our songs except for one song. We were all about 13, 14 years old, and our keyboard player had us learn uh, Feel Like Making Love by Bad Company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I didn't think about it at the time because I was just, it was a cool song to play on drums. Yeah. Like, yeah. Da-da, bonk, you know. And uh, their parents, after we played it the first time, I think the keyboard player's parents and the guitar player's parents were like, uh, I don't think you guys should, we don't know if we want you to be playing that song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be playing worse songs. I know. I guess, I know. You know? But yeah, that's, that's interesting. And yeah. uh, then after that, man, it was pretty much drums for a while, and then took an ACDC. It was uh, 1996. It was January of 96. Uh, ACDC was coming to play at the uh, Trop. I still call it the Thunderdome. Yeah. And uh, a buddy of mine talked me into going, and I kind of like, you know, I knew like Highway to Hell and maybe Back in Black, and that was about it. But to get prepped for the show, I went to Specs. The old store used to be open on 66th Street. Mm-hmm. Got a video there. It's called Live at Donington, 1991. And I put on that video, and it just, from the first song, it just changed. It was like, you know, like a light bulb went off. It was like, ah, moment. Yeah. And from then on, I wanted to be Malcolm Young. I was like, dude, that's my hero. The rhythm guitar guy in the back by the drums. Like, And that made me want to, like, stop. Not stop playing drums, but that made me want to learn how to play guitar. And that coupled with the fact that the other guys in my band did, I wanted to do start doing originals, and they weren't really into it. Yeah. And so, coupled with that fact, and then seeing Malcolm Young play guitar, I'm like, I want to teach myself how to play guitar, and that's what kind of got me into being a songwriter just from doing that, you know. Wow. And so, at what point did you meet George Harris? Let's see. I met George in about 1998. He was a uh, yeah, it was my senior year in high school. He was mixing uh, the CD of my uncle-in-law's band, Ambush, their old reggae band. My uncle-in-law was the drummer. Oh, shout out to your and, uncle-in-law. And so I met him through my uncle-in-law, Bob, and it was uh, very cool. Married to my uh, my uh, aunt, my mom's uh, sister. Right on. And uh, Yeah, so I met him through my uncle-in-law. It was cool. Uh, so George Harris just walked in here. I guess he's going to put on the headphones. Our crappy oh headphones, oh. not your not your hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> does it sound good or? Does it... I don't know how to get this distortion. Can I borrow this rig? <laughs> Thanks a lot, George. So, so we were just talking about how you met how you met Adam Shoemaker. Yeah. Well, I I actually knew his his uncle Bob 
when I was 16. Really? Yeah, I played in a, I was alive. Yeah. I played in a band with him yeah. when I was a kid, like, you know, like a local original band that never did anything. Yeah. And, you know, just goof off kind of band. And, and uh, then years later, it became like, oh, this is Adam. Yeah. yeah. I was telling him, but when you're mixing the, his band Ambush's CD in oh, 1998. That's right. Bob was in that. That's right. 1998 at Panda. Ah, see? I don't remember these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> George, <laughs> you remember the 90s at all? I'm starting to worry about you. We've like, already established we? that I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. So, but, yeah, that he was he was playing reggae, you mm-hmm. know, at the time and, and uh, met Adam and his dad and, and, you know, all these people that I should have known because we all had a periphery of, of people that, yeah. that we, we all knew a bunch of pe- the same people, you know. It's just one of those things. Yeah. That it was a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got to know George even better. Actually, uh, it was in the following year, in 1999, he mixed uh, a CD from a very good friend of mine's band uh, from Italy, just outside of Florence. They were called oh, Dakota. Yeah. They, uh, a buddy of ours, Richard, has a studio over there, and uh, they did a record and brought over all the, uh, was it the ADATs at the time, I think? ADATs, yeah. yeah. They was, brought, I don't even know what an ADAT is. It's like a VHS it's a, it's tape. It's a VHS tape yeah. that, that did eight tracks of digital audio, okay? <clears throat> It was one of the first cheapo digital things. And and as Americans do, it was not the best version, but it was the cheapest one. So it won out over the the uh what was the other one called? The uh I can't remember. I remember uh, there was a Tascam it. version of it that was on that was on uh uh the smaller tape. Okay. So it's like VHS was or better. Betamax. It was type it was thing. on beta, exactly. Okay. And and that was better, but it, of course it didn't win because it was a few more dollars. But anyway, yeah. the VHS tapes, eight 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 tracks per per unit, and you could connect like tons of them. You have almost virtually unlimited tracks at the time. You know, wow, unlimited tracks! And, you know, just keep piling videotapes in there and recording on them. And of course, they were horrible, sounded terrible, had dropouts, and but it was fun. Anyway, these guys from Italy came over, and we had an absolute blast. Like one guy spoke English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we had our engineer friend Alessandro. He spoke yeah. no English, but we spoke yeah. no Italian, so we kind of like figured out like a. Yeah, Sandro and I hung out yeah. for for a week, just like <laughs> making hand signs at each other and teaching each other how to cuss. And yeah, oh yeah, that languages. was the first thing was how to cuss. Brilliant and, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, at what point did you start working with Adam, like on the songwriting and 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 mu- actual like music side? You know, well, his dad called me and asked if I'd be interested in in cutting some of his songs you know yeah mm-hmm. so he came in and we just started uh that was my first uh i'll tell you exactly when that was that was november 2005 see how <laughs> do you remember that see george doesn't remember all of 90 all of the 90s i don't decade is gone but I don't, I don't remember yesterday man <laughs> yeah yeah man that was my uh my first semester at florida state actually and i would drive down us 19 like it was a five-hour drive drive down there on the weekends Mm-hmm. And do like you know Friday Saturday at the studio, then drive back up and write papers and do all that kind of stuff during the week, and then drive back down the next weekend and back and forth. And is this while. and is is this the music that became the album that that you that you're about to release? Yes, it is. Yes, exactly. So, wow, that long ago. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we recorded like about probably was it 19 songs? Yeah, I don't. Well, like you're asking me, like I, I don't know. know. Got 10 on this one, about yeah, so nine. Yeah, left over I guess a, that, yeah, it's about that. Eighteen or nineteen. Yep. Somewhere in that neighborhood. And and George, like, what what was it about Adam that you were like, all right, I'll I'll 
work with this kid, you know, because I know you. Oh, it was it was it was pity, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, just complete. <laughs> as it is, as it is with most of your endeavors. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just, oh, that's exactly. sad. We should really do something. I know. No, man, it was it was just you know respect, and and he had good 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 ideas. You know? Yeah, and and he knows more about the music that that I grew up listening to than I do. Yeah. He's he's more he's he's a historian. He studied music, man. He he knew his shit. He knew you know, you have to respect people like that, man. People that, that are that deep into it. They yeah. he knows who played what on what and why. And he knew <laughs> he knew that Malcolm Young was the reason A C D C exists. Yeah, yeah we, were we were just talking, talking about, about Malcolm Young. I mean, I mean what what more do you need? Yeah. You know? well, I remember no. the first time you mixed my the first time like you I ever worked it, you mixed the dog CD that we did over in Italy. Right. Because we right. my my first band, kind of hard rock metal band, the dogs, we went over to Italy for two uh, weeks. And our friend Richard over there, he has had a villa in Strada and Chianti, which is in the hills just outside of Florence. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's it was. beautiful. Oh, dude, it was rad. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We all went over there, stayed in the villa for two weeks, and they had a little kind of two-story kind of shack out back, which was a studio. So we'd just get up in the morning, walk a little bit down the hill and record. And then we brought our tapes back, and George mixed them. This is in the spring of uh, 2000. Wow. And uh, I remember, man, the first one of the first conversations I had with you when I walked in there, I was talking about guitar, and I was like, um, yeah, man, I play lead guitar, but I'm really, yeah, I'm a rhythm guitar player, man. You know, Malcolm Young's my hero. And you're like, dude, I'm so glad that to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and never underestimate the rhythm guitarist, dude. man. Well, That's... Dude, like that's a key. It's, it's the groove guy, man. You know, Malcolm was he was the riffmeister, man. He made he made that band work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always people a lot of people look at me if I you know, give me the RCA dog look a lot of guitar players and they ask like, Who's your favorite guitar player? I say Malcolm Young, like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah years later we drug him out to do a show with Brian Johnson. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He was Malcolm. Oh, yeah, you got to play the Malcolm part? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He oh, had yeah. he had my he had my Gretsch Billy Bow and my Marshall. Yeah, and he sounded—he was Malcolm, man. It was perfect. That's that was awesome. crazy, man. Yeah, there's video. Of the, there's video. Of I've on seen. YouTube I've somewhere. seen it on YouTube. Video on yeah, YouTube, yeah. man. I was in the back trying to be cool, and I just like a couple times it's like going like, oh, 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 this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're playing with Brian Johnson, like, oh, dude. I mean, it's like you know, like I said, man, I've had such a cool, lucky life, man. So many cool experiences to like get to actually be around people that are a genuine you know, importance to me, you know, musically, like playing with Brian Johnson was just amazing to get to do that. And I'll never forget that. It was just amazing. All because of George. He's the one who was like, hey, can you be Malcolm this week? I'm oh, like, oh, who, yeah. who else would I get? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that, yeah, that's, you're the, Adam's the guy, right? Yeah. It was crazy, man. Yeah, he knew, he already knew the parts better than we did. He knew <laughs> shit better than Brian did. <laughs> he was teaching Brian the, the he, songs. Yeah, here's well, the arrangement, man. No, no, it doesn't go to the bridge yet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there was that one time we were we rehearsed in Panda a few days before the gig, and Brian was like, hey, you know, uh, and you guys know hell ain't a bad place to be? And I was like, I do. And I started yeah. playing the beginning. <laughs> and for like about 30 seconds, everybody else jumped in right away because they're like the best musicians around here, those yeah. guys. But for about the first 20, 30 seconds, it was just me and Brian playing, uh, you know, that the song hell ain't a bad place to be. It's an old Bon Scott era ACDC song. And yeah. I'll never forget that. That was awesome. That was even cooler than doing the actual actual gig man yeah just it was just to, rehearsing with yeah. brian johnson it was like a trip man he was like standing just to my left and i'm like i've been playing these malcolm riffs since i was 15 and now the dude who actually sang on most of them is singing right next to me yeah and he sounds just like that yeah no he's I mean, it's yeah. awesome <laughs> that's that's crazy and he couldn't have been a nicer guy too 
That's what I've heard. You've absolutely. told us that too, Jordan. Yeah, yeah Brian Johnson. Absolutely. I think the rehearsals were such a fun hang that oh, they, it, it wasn't even, you know. It wasn't even work. It was just, no, it's never work for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's such a fun hang, man. We just uh, always have a blast when Brian's around. That's really cool. I mean, he was really cool, man. I'm always like really insecure about stuff, man. And I was like, man, I hope Brian thought it was all right. You know, after it was over, I'm like, oh, man, because I was in my, in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, I probably made, could have played this better or that better or something. And a mutual friend of um, mine and George's sent me a private message the next day because she's good friends with Brian's wife. And I guess she stayed at their house in Sarasota after the show. And she sent me a message and he said, Adam, I just thought you'd like to know this, but we had a barbecue earlier today and Brian brought you up and he said, it was that kid. He's like, he's like that kid was fucking great. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! That's the highest esteem Dude, that you can get. It's just, fucking great. I was like, that made my life, man. I still like. Eh. You know, I think I think awesome. he even called him a fucking kunt at one point. Yeah, oh, which is oh, about yeah. as that's, good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. Fucking kunt. That's as good as it gets. Well, he kept calling me uh, me son. It, oh yeah. It, uh, well, that's 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 what he does. That's what he does. Yes. Yeah. Is that what he yeah. calls everybody? Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, I'm his son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, yeah we're all he. He can son all of us. Yeah. He's, you know, <laughs> he's Brian Johnson. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, but when you hear he, he, that's his that's his phrase. That's all right, yeah, man. Yeah. So you 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 so you kept working on this album in in pieces, right? Bits and pieces. Bits and yeah. pieces. It took a couple years. years. Yeah, because we were we were trying to do it on downtime. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Yep. So, I know how that. So is. we could afford to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we do a lot of records with you on downtime. <laughs> oh yeah, imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I remember I went to uh, school over in Europe for six months uh, from the summer, fall 2007. I did uh, six weeks in London, then had a month off, hung out with some friends in uh, northern England, and last part of that month, some friends in southern Italy out in the sticks, Mm -hmm. just outside of Rome, and then I did uh, three and a half months in uh, Florence, Italy, went to school there, and I remember we were about halfway through this record, and George would send me like the mixes in the mail. And that was the coolest thing, man. Getting the mixes well, through the right. Italian mail. Wait, like the actual it was, mail. It was mail. Yeah. Real mail. Yeah, yeah, like like you had to send a disc. Yeah. Wow. It was a disc and it arrived at like the little I can't remember the name of the place, but a post at a post office in downtown Florence. And it was it was so cool to listen to it in our little apartment we had there right up the Arno and Florence listened to all these, you know, mixes coming from So did you actually have to Write out something and send send it back through the post or nope no everything notes. was awesome everything was oh, perfect know, his, his dad his dad came in and sat with me a few days oh yeah, yeah I'd be mixing and, and and his dad would come and sit and Bob would come in and just hang and that was that was a blast too I remember I talked to you on the phone while you were mixing in the, one of the songs before I started going started school in Florence I was staying in the, with our friend Richard who my previous band had done the record with in two thousand. I was staying with him and his crazy friend in some little two-room shack next to a big mansion on top of some hill in this town called Trevignano, which is literally out in the sticks in Italy. It's like mm-hmm. it's like that scene in The Godfather where he goes to get married in Sicily. Yeah, yeah. And he's it looked like just like there. that, and that's oh, where I wow. was. There was like no cell phone, no nothing. I mean, it was like the two weeks I spent there out of my whole six months overseas, those two weeks were like the truest, like, I am not in America anymore. You know what I mean? like, yeah, yeah. That's when remember, you really felt far from home. Oh, yeah. 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 And I remember, uh, George, it was the first time you called me because you called me on the little landline there, and I right. could like it would cut in and out, and it was when you were mixing one of the songs, and, and my dad was in the studio. And it was just so surreal looking around and looking like where I was at. Yeah. Looking like a you know, little vineyard over here, a lake here, the woods there in Italy, and then talking to 
George on the phone back in Clearwater. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> and I'm sitting in a cave, not there. Yeah. yeah. Is the crux of the biscuit. <laughs> right, right, right. That's one of those true, like, so, how did I get here kind oh, of yeah. moments. So yeah. I have, I, you know. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. You're number one. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> So, so you worked on this record for a couple years, mm-hmm. you know, a few years, right? When, when did it kind of, when, when did it finally get complete? Like, when were you? Let's say probably about 2008, near the end of 2008. Okay. And then, then what happened? Well, it just kind of uh, was hanging around for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, uh, you could say yeah, that. Yeah. Like, like 10 years. Yeah, you yeah. Could say that. It would, uh, well, I had a couple things that, um, you know, were supposed to happen with it. It just didn't pan out. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was flown out to uh, L.A. I got a um, through uh, a mutual friend of ours, little Tom Gribben, who we were talking about earlier. He hooked me up with the lawyer, uh, this guy Brian Rohan. He's a old music attorney. He was like music attorney from for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jefferson Airplane and a lot of like the San Francisco '60s bands and stuff. Right and on. He got a hold of my CD through a friend of Tom's, and there's a song on my CD called "You Let Me Down," and he was like convinced that was a hit song. I mean, this dude was like, you know, that's a fucking hit song. You got what the, you know. Yeah. And he uh, signed me for like a just a year kind of lawyer representation kind of contract thing. And he uh, flew me out to L.A. in December 2010. And I met with some management guys out there who were interested in it. And they signed me for a year. And they tried to, they shot me to like Interscope, I think was one of the main ones they mm-hmm. signed me to. And I guess from what I heard, they liked it, but they just weren't signing yeah, that's People. that's what that's what they say. Yeah. So that's pretty <laughs> much Yeah. <laughs> no, that's how it is. That's how it is. You know, it's like they're like, This yeah. is like really good, but we're just yeah, we're just not signing just people that we don't, you know Yeah, that don't already have, have a huge audience. Or that, or that <laughs> like, we're yeah. not already like uh you know, already have like been molding for a while or right. you know, that kind of stuff. So. Well labels don't develop artists anymore that, exactly. like they used to. Yeah. So they you, they want somebody that's already packaged and ready and has yeah. the base and has their, their I, thing. I was born and, like a couple of decades too late. Yeah. I learned that because I was like thinking when I went out there, I'm like, yeah, cool man, development. That's what, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, no, but having said that, it was still cool to even get that far. I still think it's cool in hindsight. You know, yeah, it's just, it was absolutely. Fun. And then, um, let's see, about April of 2012, the same lawyer, he flew me again out to uh, San Francisco and I did a uh, like solo acoustic four song uh, video shoot at uh, Bob Ware's studio. Oh, TRI right yeah, yeah. in San Rafael. Yeah, and that stuff is nice too. That's yeah, man. And there's there's video and audio of that. Out yeah, there. you have to have the password to uh, watch it. It's on <laughs> it's on Vimeo. If you type my name on Vimeo, you can find it. But it's a private thing, and the password is TRI, the name of the studio. So it's not not too hard. To not too hard out. to figure so, it yeah, out. Those those hackers out. Yeah, there, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But those turned out. Yeah, you know, like, again, like anybody listening to this. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, those yeah. hackers. Exactly. But we uh, have a lot. Of, we have a big hacker audience. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I'm counting to, on, man. Shout out to the hackers. Yeah, man. But uh, so, you know, I did like a couple, it was a couple like almosts like yeah. that that happened with that record. And then, uh, yeah. And then after that, I kind of just was like, well, kind of just not gave up on it, but just kind of, well, I don't know what's going to happen with it now because that was what I was thinking in my brain was going to happen, you know? And yeah. then, uh, here we are today. And now it's finally getting ready to see the light of day. <laughs> exactly. Which is, which is really cool. Yeah, man. You know? And uh, very fitting with uh, with you guys, man, just because I just never forget hanging with you and talking. Yeah, yeah. Mu- music nerding out. Right, know? for sure. Yeah, so when we were cutting that record at Panda, yep. I think we listed you 
um, on Ooh. the record as uh, you're, 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 yeah, you have yeah, a credit on the record. record but what was my credit that was funny? Uh, I think I want to say cabin, cabin boy. boy. I think it was cabin boy. <laughs> cabin boy. Yeah, yeah, cabin yeah, boy. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you have to have a cabin boy on yeah. the record, you know? Hell so yeah. <laughs> without it, it just wouldn't be. You know, it wouldn't be anything. But yeah, that's when we met and like really bonded over Oasis and, yep. you know, our, All our kinds of music. Particularly too. our mutual love of Britpop, I oh, feel yeah. like was. But even thing. with a cool dude, we connect on like, like not only Oasis, but we were talking about how we listen to like all different kinds of music depending on what movie we're in. Because we were talking about like Oasis and then talked about pantera and yeah. like damage plan and super joint and all that stuff too. yeah, we yeah like yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> no and that's like that's how my listening's always been is i've always yeah, been the too. kind of person who like you know yeah i can i can hang with with pantera but i can also appreciate you know whatever Beach else boys yeah, or whatever, or, yeah or, or tupac or depeche mode yeah. or whatever you're in the mood for dude i was marvelous three oh, yeah, yeah marvelous oh, yeah, yeah. Well, butch Mar- walker butch walker <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of that influence on your record is, nice. you know you, obviously you can hear the brit pop stuff and the oasis and especially in your vocals oh, yeah. very, uh, very <laughs> oasis vocals oh, um, yeah you know but the songwriting is is like really reminds me of butch walker and nice you know kind of the 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 better power pop stuff out there oh, i appreciate know. it man uh, i've always loved that kind of like you know, songwriting for me, I always loved just that real short and sweet kind of just that classical stuff like the Beatles, especially like early Beatles stuff. Yeah. I love those songs. I just still think they're such great songs. Like the She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. And they're just like killer. Yeah. Rocking little pop songs, you know. I love those. I mean, you don't need more than three. If you can't get your point across in three, three and a half minutes, you're, yeah. what are you doing? Exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. Planning, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like get out of here with all these prog rock songs. You, <laughs> so you never wrote a twenty minute no. opus. No, no. Hearing. no, 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 oh, no. And of course, the next cheap trick. Record. Of course, yeah. cheap trick. You know. No, yeah, that's, that's cheap trick. Same, shirt, you you know? were the one that really got me like to really listen to cheap trick because obviously you know you grow up you hear surrender and the cheap trick hits and stuff, right. but you were like, no man, you got to listen <laughs> to the deep cuts. Like you got to really get in there and listen to those records. And my parents had them on vinyl. My dad had the vinyl, so. Nice. I, you know, when we were working on on that record at the time is when I started pulling out those cheap trick records and listening to them. And now, you know, those are some of my favorite records. Yeah, man. You know, they're awesome. Yes, the, sir. Another mutual friend of ours, Jack Douglas, he produced their first record. That's like my favorite one, just their self-titled record. Yeah. Monster. Has no hits on it, but that's, man, a, that's awesome. That's a name to very casual. That's a really good name to very casually drop here, Jack Douglas. Oh, yeah, man. He's a... Uh, he uh my again my my friend Tom I mentioned he used to work with this record company Big Three in St Pete yeah. uh, back in the early two thousands and he uh you know he's been he's been my dad's best friend since nineteen sixty six and uh, they used to be used to be partners in the comedy club and he uh, got me in to work for Jack Douglas uh, when Jack was producing this band at Big Three in the fall of two thousand one uh-huh. so that's how I got to know Jack just through being like the runner and stuff so which meant being the cabin boy yeah pretty much (laughs) most of the time i just sit there on the couch that would be the visca pisces record oh yes Yes. visca pisces Ah. which i was also involved in. that's right i know i was so excited because i had no idea i remember i showed up like about i don't know it was about a couple weeks into and i showed up one day and you were there and that and it was like yes george is here somebody i know awesome (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty weird well because i could hang with you man it was like you know it was more fun when you got there yeah well of course yeah (laughs) Because I didn't know, I didn't know. I was too nervous to talk to Jack yet, so it was before I was friends with him. You know? Right, right. And the other and, people, and you, know, you didn't bring any hot sauce, so you weren't going to get it. Yeah, in that exactly. Way, so. What is what is it with engineers and hot sauce, man? <laughs> 
Dude, that's the thing. Everybody loves hot sauce. <laughs> well, yeah. Ask, right. ask Joe Perry about hot sauce. I would. I know, I'd right? love to ask Joe yeah. Perry about hot sauce. <laughs> he has his own hot sauce. It's wonderful. Does he really? Joe Perry mm-hmm. rocks your world. That's right. That's a great name. They used to sell at the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. It was like mango habanero, rock your world, Joe Perry hot sauce. Good mm-hmm. stuff. That's, that's, that's pretty delicious. rad. Yeah, yeah man. That's uh, that's another thing, man. Being lucky, just getting to you know being a huge John Lennon fan, you know, my whole life, and end up getting to work for. Jack Douglas, you know, produced as John's last record. I mean, it's like, yeah. how is this happening to me? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just stumbling into, like, lucky stuff, you know? Yeah. I bet he's got some stories, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got he's got books worth of stories. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, my no, God. That, that, that would cover a whole... He could, you should, you should have his I, own I podcast. I can't wait for Jack's book to come out. Yeah. Is he work, he's working on one? I, yeah, he says he is. I, I'm sure he is. Yeah, but, he's got to be. But, you know, you know his career uh, and just his life in general has... Is mm-hmm. is so charmed, so unbelievably, like, charmed. Yeah, every step of the way, just it's just amazing things have happened to that man, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just super interesting. Wow, this one, I love hearing him tell stories. Yeah, and you can ask anybody that's worked with him. I'm, oh yeah, know, everybody yeah, yeah. says that. Everybody's like, oh Jack, tell your story about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Say about the monkey and. <laughs> Well, of course, I bothered him for all the, you know, tell me stories about John Lennon, man. He told me some hilarious shit that I've never heard before. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It was great, man. It was very, uh, very cool. That's awesome. So this is what you were doing instead of releasing your record, yep. is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, you just put the record on the shelf, mm-hmm. and you just started doing cooler stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you know, like, working yeah. there. And then I played drums, you know, with uh, other people just back out and about for for doing that kind of stuff, making money, having fun, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's cool, man. And also, too, a big, big time I was going to school, finishing all that up. What did you study? Uh, history. Oh, not rock history. Nope. That's not a major. They don't. I have wish them. it was, man. <laughs> they, my dad be. always says he's like, man, if they if there was like a degree he could get in rock rock history, he's like my son would be like a freaking PhD, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. No, no, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's like yeah. I when I went to USF, I took a, an American Studies class, nice, and, which is sort kind of rock history. Well, that was my minor actually, American American Studies. studies? Oh, right on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I actually got to interview Rick Derringer. Nice. Um, for one of my papers do you remember I that? Recall that i yes, went i nice. came into pando with a little tape recorder and added this interview with rick derringer and my professor was so impressed he was nice. like wow like because it because you know it had to be on something from like the 60s and 70s you know right. like and you're supposed to interview somebody you know and everybody goes and interviews their grandpa or whatever or their, yeah. their uncle or whoever and i was like yeah i interviewed rock legend rick derringer <laughs> <laughs> the professor was like what nice <laughs> yeah score. that's a plus yeah. boom nice yeah uh, I also wrote a paper about wrestling, so that class, nice. Hey, I love that class, you know. But uh, that's cool, man. So history, American American mm-hmm. studies, and you probably never use that ever again. Not at all. No, no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. No, no. I tell you what, man. These days, it's just the only thing my history degree is good for these days is just like hearing people say stuff like on television with what's currently going on, and being like, "No, that didn't happen," and like that. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that's about it. <laughs> he's the one guy that knows that stuff. Yeah, right. As, there's nobody else does anymore, <laughs> <laughs> nor seems to care. No, yeah, uh, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's amazing how like you've been a part of this community for such a long time. Like basically, you're, like you said, your whole life you've kind of grown up around here, and you know, with the comedy club and everything. Like, yeah, man. You know, and it made me realize like how many people like love and care about you like when i heard you oh, got yeah. when i heard you got sick 
you know, like everybody was like, I was all over my Facebook feed and all wow. these people were coming like, we need to help Adam and we need to like wow. do what we can, you know. That's amazing, man. I just, because I don't, I never think like, I don't think people like, I never think that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think people remember me and people are like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, No. I, I, just I just don't think I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm like just beyond stunned when I hear about that stuff like on Facebook, you know, Facebook and all that stuff, you know, when I got sick and stuff and it's just so humbling and just i don't know uh, how else to describe it really it's just very it uh, leaves me speechless really cause yeah I'm just i remember calling george immediately and being like what you know what's going on with adam because i hadn't seen you in so long and you know so what what uh, do you want to go into that do you yeah. want to talk like what sure. what happened to you well let's see it all started about it was august 2015 uh my uh girlfriend who lives over in uh just outside of florence italy she was over visiting and me and some other friends we went swimming uh in the ocean, up in Jack's Beach, and I don't go swimming in the ocean. Okay. I mean, I was born and raised in Florida, but I love cold weather and nighttime. I hate the sun. I don't like the beach. It has too much sand and shit. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, so I don't, not only were you born in the wrong era, you I were know. born in the wrong place, I my know. friend. <laughs> I like New York City and Stockholm in the winter and autumn. That's okay, like what yeah, I like. That's yeah, my yeah. vibe, yeah. But um, anyway, so I went swimming in the ocean, and I don't do that. And a couple days after, I came down here to visit, and I just got really sick down here. I was staying in the hotel room on Treasure Island here. It was about three days after we got down here, so it be about four days after I swam in the ocean up there. And I remember it was like out of a Stephen King movie what happened. I was sitting there. My girlfriend was out at the swimming pool. I was sitting in the hotel room in the AC listening to music, and I started, like, hallucinating and stuff, and a lot of weird shit started happening in this room, like shining stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I would hear music like my own songs from our CD, but done in like this weird, like, but, but cult it didn't, it didn't occur to you like hallucinating. Correct. No, it seemed like it was real. And the weird yeah. thing, I still vividly remember it too. And like, I started to see like the walls literally started to bleed like little slits of blood down the wall. I mean, what? and it felt really real. Yeah. I mean, it was all at the time. I didn't know what was going on, but it was like at the time, but at the time, I mean, it was like, Cause I don't believe any of that stuff. I love horror movies, but I don't believe any of that, you know, yeah. real life. So I was like freaking out. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And um, there was like a, I was sitting on the bed in this hotel room and there was a trash bin around the corner and it just started to shake like real violently. It sounded like there was like an army of like wasps trapped inside this thing. And it was just weird shit. Like, you know, and so I freaked out and went down to the pool and told my girlfriend, like, I got to go to my dad's house. I'll see you later. And so, I walked down the street to my dad's house, and I was telling him. I ran. I was like, telling him what was going on. I'm like, you're not going to believe you. I was scared. I was really scared. And before I left the hotel room, all of a sudden, a note appeared next to my bed, and it said something like, uh, our group, the leader of our group, she wants you to come live with us and have babies for 20 years, and you can't tell anybody about this, and you have to leave your girlfriend. You can't tell your family, or else we'll find them, and we'll we'll kill them. I'm serious. That's what this note, well, not really said, yeah. but in my in you your know, brain, this yeah. is what you saw. And so that's when I hauled ass to my dad's house, and I told him, he's like, what are you talking about? You know, you're full of shit. And the yeah. next thing I remember, I woke up in ICU at uh, the hospital Palm de Pasadena near St. Pete Beach. Wow. And what my dad told me is after I told him this, I guess I went in the next room in the house, and about two minutes later, I heard a big thud, and he walked in there. I was on the ground having a seizure, and he rushed me to ICU, and it turned out I had some kind of, like, weird, like, crazy blood infection, like sepsis or something. It was, like, got all in my brain and my spine and all this kind of stuff what? and it took i was in icu for about probably six seven days at this hospital and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me they pumped me full of like every kind of 
antibiotic medicine you can imagine. And I just got better, started to get better. And they released me after about two weeks in September. And they, and they still don't know why. Yeah, they still aren't sure. They kind of thought they might have known what it was, but they never really wow. nailed it down. But it had gotten into my brain, and that's what made me see on all this shit. And it was probably residual stuff from me loving horror movies. It just yeah. activates that Dude, whatever part of your I, brain. I'm still going with demonic possession. Okay. That's well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so they released me from the hospital in, sep- in September 2015. And, uh, yeah, it was good. It felt good. And then everything was going good. And then February of 2016, uh, I bought a ticket to go over to Italy for a couple months uh, to see my girlfriend over there. And my mom was taking me to the airport in Jacksonville. I was getting ready to walk through security. And my mom stopped me. And was like, let me look at you again. And she looked in my eyes. And she's like, your eyes are yellow. She's like, there's no way you're getting on this airplane. I'm like, what? Really? He's like, yeah, no, I just don't, no, no way. You know, put mom foot down there. Yeah, yeah, the moms start to, you know. Oh, yeah. Go, yeah. And so she called the airport EMTs. They checked me out and said, you need to get to the hospital. And went to the hospital on the beach in Jacksonville. They did a quick blood test, and they did a thing called a MELD score of my liver. Uh, and it's uh, a number system, one being uh, your liver's great, 40 being terrible, so it's a scale 1 to 40. And I was 44 off wow. the charts so they're like yeah you need to get in here right now and basically my liver was just about dead and so i was in the hospital and icu in jackson for about a month and they were trying all kinds of stuff and uh you know i uh and a lot of this i don't remember because by this point i was pretty far out of it because my yeah. liver pretty much shut down so i don't remember i was on like you know not life support but pretty close to that for a while and uh my you know they my parents wanted to get me on the list, but they actually wouldn't put me on the list because um, basically because I'm a musician, I guess. You remember about that, George? You heard about that? Wait, yeah, really? I'm, I'm I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've had a I've had another friend who was who died because because of that. Their their policy is you co- you complete a twelve step program mm-hmm. and you're clean for six months before we'll transplant you. Wow! And they they told they told Adam's parents that and yeah, said, well, he has like he a- has six weeks to live. And they said, we're very sorry. Yeah. That was wow. it. That I didn't have it. time to do like a, a, you know, whatever, like a couple months. Uh, Done deal. Program, you know, rehab program. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't yeah. even that. They wanted you clean for six months or clean after, for six the, months after prior. the program. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was like, dude, I just had a, my last drink at the airport before I came here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't, and also, too, like, I was like, you know, and you know me, man, I used to like to have, what, you know, a couple drinks a night, but nothing like crazy yeah, i don't remember you as being like a super heavy no. drunk well, i know i wasn't I, I don't think i ever saw you drunk no. yeah i, know. I never i life. never got blacked out i never did shots i just like to have a couple drinks yeah like, every night like most get, a little, get a little buzz on and leave it at that you yeah know? but you know so what happened is so they thought they thought at the hospital in jacksonville that's like what what the reason was for you know why my liver was so messed up but the doctors what i ended up doing is they wouldn't put me on the list in jacksonville and so my dad freaked out got in the guy's face who came in the room to tell him, yeah, we're going to have to put your son in hospice instead. My dad was just like, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? He's 34 years old. Yeah, because, you know? I mean, you're a young guy. Like, yeah. you're not, it's yeah. not like you're 90 years old, you yeah. know, to just give up like yeah. that. Yeah, and the doctors who decided not to not put me on the list, they didn't come in and tell my parents that. They sent in, like, an intern to tell them. And the guy gave my dad a do not resuscitate paper, you know, just for him to sign. And my dad just tore it up, threw it in the guy's face. You know, this is all what he told me because yeah. I, don't, I don't remember, but... Uh, and the guy, I guess, got pretty freaked out by my dad being in his face. So he kind of was like, well, okay, wait a minute. Let me, uh, I'll be right back. And he came back in the room about five minutes later. And he said, well, there's this other hospital in New Orleans called Oxnard. They're a little more uh, aggressive than we are. 
So we'll refer you to them and maybe they'll take you. And then sure enough, later that day, Ochsner called my parents and they said, okay, we reviewed your son's files that this hospital sent us and uh, we have a bed open, but it's only open for 24 hours. So you have to get him here within 24 hours uh, or else we're giving up the bed to somebody else because we have a long line of people waiting for this bed. And uh, my parents don't have a lot of money, but they know a lot of people who do have a lot. Yeah. So they got at the last minute some guy to give them the money to get an air ambulance. And they got me out of there the very next morning on an air ambulance. Got over there to Oxnard Hospital in New Orleans just in the nick of time. And um, they have the same protocol there. You have to be six months alcohol-free. But the psychiatrist guy, doctor guy who makes the decision on whether or not to put you on the list or not, he came in, talked to my dad, and said, uh, so, I hear you, uh, I don't know how he knew this, but he told my dad when he came in the room, he said, hospital room, he said, so I hear you're in the comedy business. I was like, yeah, how'd you know that? And the doctor pulled out his phone and said, hey, here's a picture of me, and there was a picture of him, and um, what was that guy's name uh, from The Hangover? Oh, uh, what, Ed Helms? Kim. Uh, oh, Kim, Kim, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy in the hangover, turns out he was a doctor before he was a comedian. He did his residency at that hospital in New Orleans. No way. And so, you know, my dad, and so he started, my dad, when he first heard that, he's like, kind of like, okay, this might turn out pretty good. Okay, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, this is going well. Yeah, yeah. and so we kind of, you know, talked to my dad about the comedy flow. My dad explained, you know, I'm a musician, and explained what happened to me in uh, Jacksonville. They would put me on the list, and the guy kind of looked at me, and I was all, you know, just almost dead by that point. And the guy kind of looked at me for a bit, turned back to my dad and said, you know, about a, two years ago, we had a guy come in real just like, just like your son. He was a musician, but, you know, he had the same thing, liver failure. And we have the same protocol, six months, but I took a chance on this guy two years ago and put him on the list. And about six weeks ago, I went to that guy's wedding, and it was the proudest moment in my life. Yeah. The doctor said, and after he said, so you know what, Mr. Shoemaker, I'm going to do the same thing for your son and put him on the list. And he did. And they found a match within 24 hours. Which is uh, Which really, is unheard yeah, of. Yeah, like that's incredible. Because when they said they were going to put me on the list, my dad said, he was like, all right, we're going to get ready, f- you know, kind of uh, settle in here for the long wait, you know. But 24 hours later, they said, we found a match, and it's perfect. Wow. And then 24 hours after that, I was on the operating table. And uh, after the fact, the doctor did my operation. He told my dad, he said, you know, you're real lucky because if your son would have gotten any kind of any little small infection or anything, in the hospital, there would have been nothing we could have done for him, and he would have, you know, died. So, I mean, wow. I, I literally just barely made it. I mean, it's like I shouldn't even be here today, really. You know, I mean, it's. Oh, I'm so glad it you're was here. just like. <laughs> I mean, it was just like an incredible, you know, little stroke of luck, just one after the other. You know, that yeah. happened in a short period of time. You know, and just saved my ass. <laughs> wow. And. uh it was pretty crazy, and the doctor who did the operation, he actually told my dad about when he, uh, he said when they took out my liver, they all, there was like a collective gasp around the whole, all the other 15 or so doctors and nurses who were in the operating room because the doctor said my liver was twice the size of a normal one and completely black. Wow. And the doctor told my dad if, you know, if Adam had been an 80-year-old man who'd been drinking half a bottle of Jack for his whole life, his liver wouldn't look this bad, so something so else. Some, yeah, something happened. happened. I, yeah, I think yeah. it was something to do with that weird blood infection that almost killed me in August 2015 because when they released me from the hospital in September 2015, my liver was okay, and then five, mon- five months later, it's 
you know, totally gone. So wow, it was all weird stuff happened there. But you know, so is the moral of the story: don't go swimming. Like don't go. To the, <laughs> I guess don't go so, in man. The ocean, because <laughs> now I'm freaked <laughs> don't out. Don't go in the Atlantic Ocean. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. But, but wow, that's see, like that's that's just incredible, man. That. I'm just I'm so glad I'm so glad it turned out that way. Right. You know, because well, my dad said, man, it's a great story because it has a good ending. Yeah. If it didn't, it wouldn't be a good story. No, it would not be a good story. <laughs> that story could have easily sucked hard. Oh, did yeah. I mean, it was a uh, it was like I said, man, it's just every time I think about it, it's pretty amazing. It was very, uh, very close. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, kudos to your your parents for not oh, for a, not giving up and, you know finding a way to make the, you know, that was all my, that was all my dad getting mad at that guy and getting in his face and tearing up the thing and throwing it in his face. <laughs> yeah. So you got to do it, you know? And then the comedy thing, you know, comedy yeah, saves yeah. the day. Was, <laughs> you just happen to have that in common. And, yeah. You know? And, and honestly that, you know, that's, it's just, it sucks that we live in a country that's so, you know, we're the, supposedly the greatest country in the world, but yeah. that's like, this is our healthcare system. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. That's rough. Mm-hmm. And too, it's just like what happened with me, you know, there's several different, you know, psychiatrists who are on staff there at Oxford, I just happened to get the right one. Yeah. If it would have been one of the other ones, they could have said the same thing that the psychiatrist in Jacksonville said. Just and said, it, yeah. yeah. And then you wouldn't be sitting here yeah. at this table so it's like, rocking your cheap trick shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty crazy, man. Just luck. You know, I just got really lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's, I just don't even, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm so glad that, yeah, you, you know, know, you don't get stories like that a lot. No, we don't. I, we don't talk about that a lot. The, you know? the one, the one I don't tell is I have a friend who was put in hospice for that same that same thing. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, sorry. Yep, we're sorry. That's what they get. Yep. Yeah, that's what I got in Jacksonville, man. Same thing. You know, yeah, it's, it's like criminal, man. It's it's criminal. Yeah, and it's like you, you know, you have you still have so much more to offer yeah. this whole this world. You know, <laughs> like that mm-hmm. 30, 34 years old is not the time to go. Yep, you know. Yeah, man, it was uh, oh. it was crazy, but you know, hey, two years later, man, I'm still here. Like I said, this time two years ago, May of uh, 2016, I was in ICU. Just to, I got my liver transplant March 27th. So I was about a little over a month, you know, kind of recovering from it. it. Took me a long time to come back. You know, I had to relearn how to walk again, and you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. So it's just now being able to be back playing drums again for like four hour gigs a night. Is just I can't even say how amazing it is because yeah. I couldn't you know just two years later it's like you know if you would have told me like like right now I'm doing uh, a friend of mine I just took a little you know a little small home studio I'm just doing a bunch of demos and stuff for the next record I do with George and yeah getting stuff together uh, for the next record and just I was thinking doing that man if you would have told me I'd be doing that two years ago when I was in ICU in uh, New Orleans I would have been like no way man because it was like a big deal for me to walk like three steps with a walker before having to sit down, you know? Yeah. And now I'm back to like, now you're playing drum stuff yeah. and all that, you know, I told you that was going to happen. I know, but I didn't believe you though. <laughs> I know George yeah. sent me like all these awesome messages on Facebook, you know, cause that was like, what, right after you kind of got over all that. That was, that was when I was coming out of the hospital too. Yeah. 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 That was right after you kind of had gotten, went through your phase like that and come out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were, and exactly. We were, you were telling me like, dude, don't worry. It's yeah. cool. And I didn't believe it. I was like, no, man, this sucks. I'm going to be like this forever. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, man. So this is just like amazing being like back here doing this and like making doing music, new music again. and yeah. playing again. And I mean, you know, I do like, you know, my kidneys went out in my liver too. So I'm doing dialysis three times a week. But 
with the exception of that, everything else is back to normal. It's just amazing. Yeah. You know? No, so, I mean, um, you you look like you did 10 years ago, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like nothing's, nothing's changed, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, the part yeah. that kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> No, George, you look the same too. Right? Oh, yeah, sure. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great, man. That's so. So then, what's so then? I guess we're kind of already talking about it. But what's what's next for you then? Be, you know, work new music, new record. Yep. Gonna get back out there b- oh, yeah. playing in, the, in mm-hmm. the scene or? Yeah, man. I um, like I said, I play in uh, Jacksonville a lot. Just for right now, I play just just playing you know drums and like you know for my friend Amy. Um, she's a great singer songwriter up there. I play with her just out and about it. Like you know bar gigs and that kind of stuff but i love to main thing i love to do is to get back to doing like an original yeah kind of thing well and you're like, you're a great songwriter so you well, can't you, you gotta keep you gotta keep writing man you don't that's my favorite well, i do man i got yeah. a whole bunch of probably about at least now probably about 35 40 new songs ready to right on record or at least you know we fine-tune them that's what that's what uh we do man i always bring it with george and george always adds the missing awesome musicalness that's kind of George, true, man. That's George's gift, man. It's true, man. <laughs> Tell you. The, adds the missing piece, right? Really. It's like half the songs on the record, man, are all like a million times better because you added like I stuff that I wouldn't have thought wouldn't of. Wouldn't go quite that far, Adam. Because I had like the verses and the choruses and stuff, and I thought oh, that's cool, you know. But then you're like, we'll put this here and here, and then it just made the whole thing awesome. Makes it sparkle. I'm just telling you. I don't know. I don't know. So I have a whole bunch of new songs awaiting that treatment. Is yeah, what he's I'm got saying. some good stuff. I've heard some of them. Sweet. The new songs are better. I They're can't new. wait to hear it. It's going to be better than this. So I've got yeah. a whole bunch so of be, new this ones. This is going to be fun to do. Yeah, man. Yeah, so we'll we'll end things here with uh, playing. We'll play everybody out with one of the songs from the record. So, okay. Uh, what song do you want us to use? Hmm. Well, I would say You Let Me Down, that one. And that was the one that you were that this guy was sure was yeah. going to be a hit. Yeah, and I have a video for that song too, actually. Oh, cool. On YouTube. It's uh came out good. This guy David Allison, he directs videos for a couple other uh musicians around here. Usually a lot of the guys that play at a place called the Hideaway Cafe. Yeah, I love the Hideaway. Yeah, and he does a lot of just great videos for these guys. Really simple but very classy, very cool. It's kind of black and white video, this video. Yeah. I did shot some of it at the Hideaway, some of it at uh, Ale and the Witch, downtown cool. St. Pete and it's on YouTube. So Awesome. And so, so what's the what's the story behind this song then? Well, um, it's pretty much just. Uh, usually, don't really. I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of tell like stories about my songs because I'm. I don't want to like ruin it for anybody else. Okay. You okay. know what I mean? Like, Understandable. Because I remember like like sometimes like you know like there's been I can't wish I could think of a song offhand, but there's been several times or bands that I love like their songs they mean like something really like they hit me like oh man this is exactly how i felt about this man got it and the guy says yeah that was about my dog i'm like really <laughs> yeah that's true you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah let, let people i don't want to know that yeah. yeah but it's pretty much you know yeah somebody you let me down so you yeah know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a universal experience that is, yeah. yes uh, yeah. most people have been let down at some point in their lives I it, would it, hope. it would or be I would about think. someone that let me down for sure yeah know? yeah definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> Go yeah. figure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sound song title. All right. Yeah. Well then we'll we'll play that out. You know, You Let awesome. Me Down by Adam Shoemaker, who again we're ecstatic is here with us and hopefully continues to be here with us for a very long time. Man, thank you so much for having me. This was uh awesome in Cigar City Management, Cigar City Radio. It's awesome. Love it. Love you too, Adam. Oh yeah, man. Let's hug it out. All right, cool man. <laughs> <laughs>
That story could have easily sucked hard. Yeah. 